that he make these thee to rule and govern thy holy church universal in the right
reading from the letter of Paul to the Romans. Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death came through sin, and so death spread to all because all have sinned. Sin was indeed in the world before the law, but sin is not reckoned when, where there is no law. Yet death exercised dominion from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sins were not like the transgression of Adam, who is a type of the one who was to come. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if the many died through the one man's trespass, much more surely have the grace of God and the free gift in the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for the many. And the free gift is not like the effect of the one man's sin. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, but the free gift following many trespasses brings justification. If because of the one man's trespass, death exercised dominion through that one, much more surely will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness exercise dominion in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, just as one man's trespass led to condemnation for all, so one man's act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all. For just as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church.
said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him. Then suddenly angels came and waited on him. The Gospel of the Lord. But I think that it's much more than that. 
it has to do with, with understanding who he was and what his ministry was going to be about. As I've thought about it also, I've thought that it's very much like a Native American vision quest, where a young person would go out off by themselves, often on a mountaintop. Uh, in South Dakota, they go up on Fair Fuse, which sticks up kind of like this. It's not a tall mountain. They go up to the top of that mountain and put tobacco ties around themselves. And they'll stay there for days. And they'll be challenged, they'll be tempted, but all the time praying for the Great Spirit to give them a vision of what their life will be, of what their mission will be. And I think what Jesus went through is also a little bit like what we hear the mystics describe as the dark night of the soul. And I'm sure that many of you have experienced aspects of the dark night of the soul. Those times when we wonder if God is really there. Those times when we are perhaps challenged by health issues or by a reversal of fortune or by challenges within our family and we wonder where is God now. That's part of spiritual journey and somehow it's, it is uh, encouraging to me to know that Jesus experienced something like what I've experienced as the dark night of his soul. So I think for Jesus it was a way of affirming what he heard declared in his baptism, that he was the Son of God, and that he was beloved. Rowan Williams, uh, the former Archbishop of Canterbury, I think, helps us to understand a little bit about temptation. He writes, the word temptation nowadays has become diluted so that it is used mainly to prod others towards a bit of pardonable naughtiness. It's about being cakes for people on diets, and not much more. And then he goes on to say that it's such an inadequate understanding that we have for something that's so central to the gospel message. And I think about uh, that word, and temptation, as we have translated from the Greek. The Greek word is, uh, it includes ideas of, of empiricism, of being empirical, and all the ideas around that what that might imply. So when we are tempted, we are being tested. And I like the more contemporary version of the Lord's Prayer for that reason, because it says, save us from the time of trial. That's what that's really about, the time of trial. And the purpose of the trial is to find out who we really are. But those are not easy times. We don't seek them out. In fact, we pray to be saved from them. And in fact, Jesus had to be driven out to have the experience of that trial. And I think understood that way, we see that this is an opportunity for Jesus to realize who he really is, to have confidence in the fact that he is the Son of God. Now, often these scriptures that we heard this morning can lead us off into some things that uh, I think don't necessarily help us. I can't let the Genesis passage pass without saying, Eve was framed. <laughs> she wasn't alone. Adam was with her. And the sad thing is that that text has been used as warrant for 
sometimes we start focusing on the temptations and try to think about them in terms of our own life. You know, what, what does the bread represent? What does it represent about the powers of, to have power over other things? I think that leads us into thought about the niggling sins that we deal with in our lives that perhaps we do need to think about. But I think that's a lesser message than what we hear from this passage. I believe that part of this passage had to do with Jesus' understanding of his ministry, what that would be. And he would be hungry, just as much of the world is hungry. He would be vulnerable, just as we are vulnerable, relying on the promises and the grace of God. And he would not resort to earthly power, the powers of the kingdoms of this world, but rather he would inaugurate power that comes from God, the love of God, and a kingdom of God. All of this, I think, was part of Jesus' identity, and I believe, in a way, this passage is saying that somehow he discovered this in that dark night, in that wilderness, when he was so alone. As I meditated on this passage and preparing to preach it, I, I realized that some of the words of the Lord's Prayer I will never hear the same again. Our Father in heaven, let your name be hallowed. Your will be done. Give us bread for today. Save us from the time of trial. Deliver us from the evil one. I wonder how much of that prayer came from Jesus' wilderness experience. How much of that prayer was for him a way of sustaining him when perhaps there were other temptations. How much of that prayer he wanted to pass on to you and to me as we go through our dark nights of the soul. This past Wednesday, a number of us received the imposition of ashes, a mark on the forehead in ash, and the words, remember that you are dust, and to dust you shall return. That's also kind of a sign of identity it's reminding us of our mortality, that we will die. We will not just go on forever. And along with that awareness of mortality, at least for me, comes the awareness of my imperfection. Awareness of those things that I do that I would not do. The things that I would rather not do, but I do. Paul talked about that in a number of this inability that we seem to have to live the Christian life to its fullness as we would want to live it. And we also know that there are times when we really do want that miracle. It'd be great for Jesus. For Jesus, it was the stones that maybe could become bread. For us, it might be something else. That miracle moment would change everything. Intervention by God in a moment we needed God. And wouldn't it be wonderful if we didn't have to be so vulnerable? It seems that, it, that there's an aspect of humanity, of our humanity, that we want to control things. We want to control our lives. We don't want this to get out of control. But yet, we can't seem to rely on God. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we knew that God was God? A friend of mine used to say, I wish God would just leave a note around once in a while. 
sheet and the window of opportunity in the room. If you have any questions, come see me and Becky after church. Thank you.
blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be 